You know, Jesus said this, greater love has no one than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. As we celebrate Veterans Day, Veterans Weekend, as we think of all that's going on, we get to just take a moment and celebrate the men and women who have fought and died for our freedom. And honestly, freedoms that so often we take for granted. But they have, they have freely given their lives, men and women, and so... Man, from all of our campuses, GBB, whatever campus you're at, if you've served in any branch of our armed forces, would you just stand? Come on, any branch of all of our campuses. Come on, Faith Promise. Wow. Amen. Thank you, men. Thank you, women, for all that you do. Welcome, by the way, to all nine of our campuses. Ecstatic to have you with us from Anderson and Campbell and Blunt and North. Online, our God Behind Bars and Pellissippi. It is exciting. You picked an incredible weekend. So we're thrilled, thrilled to have you. We start a new series called Love Starts Here. And love is nothing that we should ever leave to chance. Would y'all agree with that? It's just, we, we, we all do it. Matter of fact, if you're single... You have probably used a mathematical algorithm in a place like eHarmony or Christian Mingle to try, to try to find that right person, that right love. If your kids were out a week ago on Halloween, they came back, you searched through because you're, you know, you're a good parent, you're afraid your kids might get something bad, you searched through their candy, took all the chocolate. Come on, be real. We know what y'all did. And so, but, but see, we don't leave things to chance with people that we love. And because we love them. Matter of fact, we don't even take chance what we watch. Now we stream Facebook and Netflix and Hulu because we're careful about what we care about, about things that are in our everyday lives, all the stuff. We're just very careful. And, and so we're selective and we're careful about who we're around and what we do. But one thing that, again, we can never do is leave nothing that something we can never leave a chance is love, right? We can't hope it happens. We can't wonder it happens. And so this November, this month, we're going to engage in a series called Love Starts Here to just ensure that we are simply not going to let love be something that happens by happenstance or by chance. Matter of fact, we're going to take one step closer to being and bringing real love to real people with real problems all around us and literally even this weekend with our compassion experience all around the world. Because too often in our lives, we ask, hey, how much do I have to do? Come on, let's be real. You know what I'm talking about? What do I have to do to get by? Do I show up for class? Is this going to be on the test? Are y'all with me? Come on. It's in our DNA. What's the least I can do to get by? When my boys were in school, they didn't do the least. They did a little less than that. Are you with me? little less than that, but they could talk, so they talked their way out of high school. They didn't graduate their way out of high school. They didn't learn their way. They talked their way out. You know what I'm talking about? Why? Because they just, they just did just enough to get by. So what we do is we, hey, what do I have to do to get to heaven? Okay, what, what do I have to do to pass the test? What do I have to do to get a raise? What do I have to do to make the team? What's the least that I have to do and get by with? Does that make sense? Isn't that how we are? So God we know that about us. And God, we want to go beyond that. Father, we know that, that truly in your eyes, we're not good enough. And so you sent your son to make the balance, to pay for our sins, to die on a cross for us. And God, we're so grateful for that. 
God, because of that, because of your love, because of the, the scandalous grace that we've tasted, God, would you use that to explode within our inner person, love beyond our wildest dreams, that we would be people that would be marked, that would be sealed, that would be tattooed by the Holy Spirit, that the world would see love. You said, and they'll know you're my disciples when you have love one for another. God, would you help us get out of the mirror and into the ministry of loving people every day and every way. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. all right, we're going to take and walk through a very familiar story. If you've been around church, it's in Luke chapter 10. And the story is called The Good Samaritan. And we don't know who titled it The Good Samaritan. Probably Jesus didn't title it. But The Good Samaritan, it, it gives us, there's a lot of things that we can actually just pull because the title, The Good Samaritan. And, and so just, by, just a couple of thoughts. Just by virtue of The Good Samaritan means there's some bad Samaritans. Are you with me? Because there are some that were good, that means there are some that were bad. And, and again, when we think about good, we think about what do we have to do. Also, uh, it, is a, it really is very dangerously close to Good Samaritan to a racial slur. I mean, you think, of the, you think of the people group or the person you hate the most. Taliban, ISIS, you, you think of, and, and, and that's what the Jews thought about when they heard the word Samaritan. So it's just, it really is a, it's a title, but it's a, it's a racial slur. It, when they used the word, when they made that comment that, uh, about people that they were Samaritans, it was not a compliment. It was, it was something else. But the, the Jews looked at them, but they were, they were only half Jewish. So they said they weren't Jews at all. They were mingled. They called them mongrels. They had mingled with other races and they just hated them. In fact, the, 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 the Pharisees taught in that day that killing a Jew and killing a Samaritan, they were completely different. Matter of fact, the, the Pharisees taught that one of the prayers you could pray is that God would not remember the Samaritans in the resurrection. And so it is, it is, it's crazy how, how bad, but, but we understand racism, don't we? We understand it. So when we think about the good Samaritan, does that mean that good is measurable? Does that mean that we can measure up? And so what we want is we want, we want God to reveal to us what he wants us to do. Amen? So he tells this story in, in Luke chapter 10 so that we can understand what good is and what God wants us to do, how God wants us to act, what God wants us to do uh, in the ministry. Because is Jesus our model? Then we're to live like he lived while he walked among us, right? And so in Luke chapter 10, verse 25, uh, this is how it starts. There's a group of people and a lawyer. Now, this lawyer was not like the lawyer that you go to. A lawyer in the New Testament was an expert on the, on the Mosaic law, on the Ten Commandments, on the Old Testament. So this lawyer was an expert in the Old Testament, not in the, in the Roman law, but in the Jewish law. A lawyer stood up and put him to the test. Now, in reality, we don't even know if this guy really wanted to know the answer to the question, or was he trying to trip up? What I love is they're trying to trip up the word with the word. Because the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The, the logos became the rhema. The, 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 they're trying to use the word to trip up the word. That is absolutely dumb as a stick, isn't it? But that's what this lawyer's doing. 
So he's going to put Jesus to the test. He says, teacher, what do I do to inherit eternal life? Do I have to show up to class? Is this going to be on the test? What do I need to do so that I can get in? And again, we do the same thing today. What do I have to do? It's like saying, do I have to tithe the gross or the net? See, by asking that question, and I've been asked that question a million times. I mean, gross, you know, what do you want to be blessed on the net of the gross? You pick. And so that's just how I answer the question. But it says a lot about us. So this lawyer, want, just, he's trying to trip the word up with the word. So what do I have to do to go to heaven? So Jesus responds, and he said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read the law? What, you're an expert. What do you think? You've already seen it. What, 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 how, do, how do you see it? Now, what happens is, in the next verse, he is going to recite from memory the shaman, Deuteronomy chapter 6. He's going he's to recite it. He actually has it on either his turban or the edge of his robe, a phylastery that has this verse on there, the, all the religious leaders wore it. And this is what he said. He responds to Jesus, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Felt pretty good about that. Felt like he had really done it. So what does Jesus do? Jesus to him and to us is going to flip the script. From what is good enough, from good, G-O-O-D, to go do. From good to go do. Does that make sense? He's going to call him out and us out. And what God calls us, calls us out. So Jesus comes back and he said, you've answered correctly. Way to go. a boy. You got it. Do this and you're good. You're going to live. And now the lawyer should have shut up. He should have said, we're good. That's what he should have done, but he didn't. So he goes on to verse 29. But wishing to justify himself, wishing to make sure that he understood the requirements to get into heaven, he said, oh, by the way, who's my neighbor? Won't be my neighbor. Who is my neighbor? Now, if you're young, you don't know who that is, and that's okay. Who is my neighbor? Now, this reveals a problem. This guy wants to know what's good enough. And come on, have we not every one of us asked that question? Ow, what's good enough? Ow. But, but here's the deal. Because when you're good enough, your love is limited. But real love never asks how little. Real love asks how much. Real love says, how far can I go? What can I do? How can I help you? How can I serve? What do you need? Where is it, that God, that you want me to engage the world today? Who do you want me to engage? So Jesus Jesus goes on and he replied and said, now here's where he teaches a parable. A parable is a literary thing that Jesus used. A parable is a story that Jesus tells to teach a deeper eternal truth that he wants to communicate. Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. It fell among robbers. Bad day. Amen? Now, bad day. And most of us in this series, in this, if we got really, there's four people we're going to see. The, the priest, the Levite, this dude who's having a really bad day in the Samaritan. Most of us can relate more with the Samaritan. And he fell among robbers. They stripped him. They beat him. And he went, they went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going on that road. And when he saw him, what did he do? 
Wasn't that what religious people do? See, because religious people are about a dogma. People that follow Jesus are about loving people. People that love Jesus don't walk past needs. Does that make sense? So for us that are Christ followers, can I tell you something? We cannot leave love to chance for people who do not yet have a relationship with him. A world that's lost, we can't walk past them and not do something about it. Because if they don't find Jesus, they might find suicide. They might find addiction instead. They might be sexually or emotionally abused instead. They might enter into deceit and destruction instead. And aren't you glad that Jesus didn't let loving you happen by chance? Aren't you glad he sent someone, come on, somebody who loved you and told you and shared with you? And we're not about by chance. See, a by chance love law to be cussing for us. It ought to be profanity, by chance, loving. we got to be real love to real people with real problems. Is that right? So at the end of this weekend, this service at all of our campuses all weekend, you're going to get an opportunity to take a packet. You're going to get an opportunity. Thousands of you have already been through the Compassion Experience. It's at our Blount County campus, our Pellissippi campus. Why wouldn't it or others? Because Compassion only has two. They have two for America, and we got them both. Can I, do you know how many other churches wanted them? But they love us. We're, we're their favorite. <laughs> and so they sent us both. And so, but many of you have already seen a packet. This is a packet. And by the way, don't get a packet and leave with it. It's like abducting a child. Because they won't know which one you took, and it'll take months for this kid to get back in the system. Does that make sense? And so you'll have an opportunity. To, to, to walk into a child's life that doesn't have an opportunity for medicine, for education, that doesn't, have, that doesn't have an opportunity to get fed every day and all that kind of stuff and the prayer that you can provide, we can walk into that child's life, love them, care for them, minister them. We can be the hands and feet of Jesus. And what God is doing is already tapping some of us on the shoulder. Are you with me? And so I was, I was actually in Bolivia with who, who was just the current president who's just stepped aside, Jim uh, Miato is now the president of Compassion, and, and listen, in Bolivia, listen to him share a story why he got, he got concerned about the, the poor. He grew up in Africa in a village of 100 people. Didn't come to America until he was 15. Comes to America, he was about 12 and all of his friends were dying. And when they died, as soon as they died, they buried him so that the people, so the disease wouldn't spread. And he went home at 12, weeping, walked into his, the hut and told his father, who was a missionary, said, when am I going to die? He said, you're not going to die. He said, all my friends are dying. He said, son, you're not going to die. Why am I? He said, you see that scar right there? You've got a vaccination. What's killing them can't hurt you. Then he watched, it all, watched many of his friends and family in that little village die of starvation. His first trip to America, he landed in New York. Now, can you imagine, you're an American that's never been in America. You've grown up, now you're 15 years old, and you end up in New York. Would that be crazy? Manhattan. He's walking down Manhattan, and he sees a pharmacy. Walks in and said, what, a pharmacy, y'all have drugs? Yeah. He said, do y'all have the stuff that makes this scar? He said, yeah, we got a whole room full. He said, do you mean all my friends died? And you have a room full of medicine that would have saved their life? 
And he's walking, he sees people walking with bags of food. He'd never seen a what? A grocery store. So he started backtracking and following those people and walked in a store full of food. And he walked out and he sat down in front of that grocery store and sobbed and said, God, I'll spend my life, I'll spend my life eradicating poverty. And he has. When he took over, Compassion had 25,000 kids sponsored. When he left as president, that 1.5 million. Come on, somebody. <clears throat> that is, by the way, a good Samaritan. Just keep going on. I'm going to run way out of time. Likewise, a Levite. See, the priests walk past, right? The religious people. A Levite also uh, uh, knows the word of God. When he came by, he saw him. And what did he do? Is that the church in America? See, it's like so many promisers. See, the, we, we promisers have been called out to love and serve and worship God, hadn't we? And we've been called to serve God. See, that's what these guys are doing. This free, this Levite, and I know you guys, man, last weekend we hadn't got the final count of Heart for the Harvest, but you guys sacrificially gave last weekend, and incredible, and I'm so grateful and of all that you guys do. But, but these guys loved and worshiped God also. But what they did is they, they're, they're walking home from the temple and they walk past. Probably a 20-minute drive, but a half a day walk, and they walk right past problems. Just, just right past it. Does that make sense? See, the, again, both the, the, the Levite and the priest have the whole Old Testament memorized. They're reciting the book of Psalms. They're reciting all the prayers. They're reciting all this stuff. And they knew the shamans to love your neighbors yourself, and they're passing right by their neighbor. See, what good is real love if there's no go and do? Does that make sense? Are y'all out there? Hey, you breathing? See, I mean, it, it, well, so it's easy to buy a faith promise shirt and put a AP decal on your car. But what God wants us to do is flip the script from being good to doing good. Does that make sense? Man, to, because of what God has done in our hearts, it should move us deep in the guts. I mean, it ought to move us down here. In the, man, our gut just ought to move us. To everyone that we know, that we walk by, that we play ball with, that we go to school with, that we work with, that in our neighborhood, that we're going to do good with them. Does that, does that make sense? That's what God's called us to do. We cannot and we will not pretend that there's not a need right next door to us. Amen? After this weekend, you're now commissioned. You can no longer walk past. You've got to do something. Jesus goes on in verse 33. But a Samaritan, as soon as he said this, the tenor of the room changed. But the Taliban, but the ISIS, I can't think of anybody that when you hear a word, a group of people makes you matter. That's why I use them. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, they'd all three seen him. The, the pastor and the deacons walked right past. But the Samaritan, what did he do? Felt compassion. How many times did it say Jesus looked at the crowd and felt compassion? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Now, the Samaritan wasn't on a mission trip. Have you, anybody ever been on a mission trip? Have you ever noticed on a mission trip you see needs all around you? See, because for seven days you're on mission, and then you come back home and you get normal. What if you lived every day like you're on a mission trip? 
Would it be incredible? See, that's what you're called to. To be an ambassador, to be a missionary. Wherever you're at, wherever you live, where you go to school, you're called. Does this make sense? All of us. I'm called. We're all called. And so we're, if, you were, if you lived on mission every day, you'd see stuff all around you. You'd see it. You'd be moved by people all around you. So when you see a need, you see somebody on the side of the road like this dude, how do you feel? Do you judge him? Gossip about him? Ignore him? Or do you go do what the Good Samaritan did? Taking us one step closer to exposing them to the real love, that get to real people with real problems. To, to getting out there, taking us one step closer to being the hands and feet of Jesus and loving people. What good is real love without the go-do? James said, you, you show me your faith without works, I'll show you my faith by what I go do. You'll know I follow Jesus by how I act and what I do. See, real love is compassionate. Real love is moving. Real love is ready to go. Real love, no matter what time or place. Do you think this was inconvenient for the Good Samaritan? Uh, you know, I, I, dude, I know you're bleeding. And it's bad. But I got, I got to go. Live long and prosper. <laughs> Isn't that what we do? Now, by the way, we know that the Jews hated the Samaritans. The Samaritans weren't too keen on the Jews either. So it's a Jew in the ditch, covered with dirt, being beaten half to death. We don't know if he ever regains consciousness. Verse 34, a Samaritan came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them, and put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. <clears throat> now, understand, when the Samaritan didn't open the trunk of his donkey and get out a first aid kit, his donkey didn't have a first aid kit. He got down and started ripping his clothes, taking his flask of wine and washing all the dirt, mud, the blood, then taking his oil and anointing and then taking clean parts of his clothes and wrapping and bandaging it. This is a messy deal. Ministry's messy. Stopping and showing real love is not easy, is it? <clears throat> it's just not. But if Jesus can bow down and wash the stinking feet of those disciples, then we can too. If Jesus can take the hands that would be pierced by nails for our sins and reach and touch people that have encountered the pain of this world, then so can we. Amen. Somebody, is anybody with me? So the Samaritan takes him, puts him on his donkey. I'm thinking, can't you walk? Because that's my donkey. Now, that, means, that meant that the dude to the dog had to, had to walk. And this dangerous road been easier, quicker for him to ride, but he put the man that was hurt on his own donkey, and he walked his way to that end. We don't know how far it was. See, the Samaritan was willing to give up his ride. He was willing to give up his time. He was willing to show the love of God. Does that make sense? It says, be inconvenienced. Real love, real love is, is always going to be inconvenienced. Real love is always eager. Real love is available. Real love gets out of the mirror and into the ministry. And by ministry, I mean that your day-to-day -day colleague in ministry. Real love isn't easy. It's hard. It's hard. But see, real love is our response to the good news of the gospel. Real love is my response that I was lost and now I'm found. I was blind and now I see. I was a hateful kid, a racist, grown up in the project, gang fighting black and whites, and I was born again, and man, I was filled with love. Has anybody experienced any of that? And man, we're supposed to pour that on our world. 
See, that's what the Love Starts Here series is all about. Letting God's love flow through us to a world that's in desperate need. See, to just the problems that are all around us. Somehow, though, the Samaritan is not done. You'd think by now he's already gone the second mile, wouldn't you? No, he goes, what happens? Verse 35. On the next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. Whatever more you spend, when I return, I'll repay you. Today, you take out your Amex or your Visa and swipe it and say, hey, just put it on my bill. But then he had integrity. He said, I'm going to leave you a couple denarii. If you spend any more, take care of him when he wakes up. You know, when he's, when he's good enough to go, let him go. And if this is not enough money, when I come back, I'll pay you the rest of it. Now, two denarii is not an astronomical amount of money, which meant probably the Samaritan was not a wealthy man. He was like you and I. Yet he gave what he had. It was necessary to take care of this guy. And literally to give a line of credit to take care of this man that he had never before met. That's real love. Is anybody out there? See, you've never met these children. You never met them. I've met them. I've been in Compassion churches. One of the things I love about Compassion is all the money goes through a church that Compassion's already vetted. Does that make sense? It goes through the church. You're not going to go to country, see all these vehicles and all this stuff says Compassion rolling in, big SUVs. You're not going to see that. All the money goes to a church, and it goes to, it goes to, it, it's given out. The people are vetted to get it, the churches that use it. And so the, these kids, they're like the Jewish man. They didn't ask to be born in poverty. They didn't ask to be born where they wouldn't have money to go to school or, edu- or, or get medical treatment. That's just where they are. We're not going to be Levites and look the other way. Now, we'll have almost 8,000 this weekend. This is what I believe. I believe that we could sponsor 1,000 kids this weekend. Does anybody agree with that? That's, come on. Anybody, come on. I believe God, matter of fact, I was thinking, God, would you show people, the people that need to to sponsor a kid, that's wrong. God, would you just show people that don't need to? Y'all didn't catch that. It's coming. That means everybody ought to sponsor a kid unless God says not to. Well, four of you, come on. The rest of you are saying, oh, wait, that means me. I know. Come on, Levi, wake up. Come on, we're not passing by. We're going to verse 36, 37. Which of the Jesus has told the story, everybody's mad, because they're all racist. Are you with me? They're racist. They hated these people. They're all mad at Jesus. He could have used anything. Why did he have to put the Samaritan in? Because he wanted to gouge him a little bit. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the lawyer who asked the question, who's regretting deeply that he asked the question, he said the one that showed mercy. He didn't say the Samaritan. He wouldn't even use the word. The dude that showed mercy. I guess he's the guy. Then Jesus said, you go do the same. See, it wasn't about what do I have to do to be good enough. No, which go and do. Does this make sense? What, 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 this is... This, Look, there's a story of a of Yanel, little girl in the Dominican Republic. Mom got pregnant. The man she was with told her to get rid of the kid. She refused. The man left. The girl was born. And then as she as she began to grow, she asked her mom, who is my dad? That the mother refused to tell her, but she knew it was a small village. Yanel was going to eventually find out who her dad was. And when she found out who it was, she'd chase him. He would run home, lock the door, wouldn't talk to her, wouldn't speak to her, wouldn't answer the door when she knocked. 
She was brokenhearted. Why, why does my dad not want me? What's wrong with me? Well, there was a lady named Dorothy Schmidt. Dorothy Schmidt was sitting in a room just like you're sitting in, listening to a pastor or someone share just like I am about a little, and, and Dorothy got a little packet just like this. It had Yanelle's picture in it. And she, she sponsored a little Yanelle. And she would write letters to Yanelle. She was a surrogate grandmother. And when her dad didn't want her and she didn't know what was wrong with her, she would get letters of, you know, I love you, I'm praying for you. And she, she began writing back and said, I, I want to be a doctor. And she said, you'll be a great doctor, I'm praying for you. But what, what Dorothy did not know is because the father would not, would not acknowledge her, he didn't put his name on the birth certificate, so she was not allowed to take the high school graduation test. But she learned from her surrogate, her sponsor in America, who believed that God could do anything. Said, I believe God's going to open the door, you know. And you know, kept going and she took and passed. And then she got in the, she got in the university and she graduated the university and she was in medical school. And now she's working on today, working on becoming a pediatrician. And her goal is to be a pediatrician and open a free clinic for boys and girls in the Dominican Republic. And it will be the Dorothy Schmidt Foundation. So I could, I could tell you stories, oh man, I could just tell you story after story of sponsors of compassion. A little boy who hated his life and wrote to a sponsor, nobody loves me, I'm dumb, and the sponsor said, you're not dumb. Man, I, you know, nobody likes me, you're going to have friends, and then wrote back and said, hey, I'm, I can't, I'm faster than anybody in my class. Well, you just run, that's what you're good at. And wrote back and said, I'm the fastest person in my school. And the sponsor said, man, found, sounds like you found out something you're good at. You keep running for God. Until one day, that young man knocked on that English lady's door in England. And when she opened the door, he held out his gold medal. And he said, this is yours. This is yours. And she said, oh, no, I can't take that. You won that. He said, no, it wasn't for you. It wasn't for you. I'd just be lost in a village in Africa. But because of you. See, sponsors, we, we do more than send $38 a month. Come on. And most of us can afford $38. Listen, just once a week, take one last trip through Starbucks. Come on. How do you know I go? Because I'm pulled right behind you. I know where you go. <laughs> and so, he said, Pastor, we just finished hard for the harvest. We just sacrificed. I know. I got you. I know that. So did Michelle and I. We're going to sponsor one. Now, we had three. We had three. They were all Indians in the, in the country of India. And the government shut down because India is trying to get rid of all the churches. And because we were sponsoring children, India shut down compassion. So Michelle and I are going to find us another one. <laughs> Amen? We can, we, you know, I'm trying to get one before she gets three. Because she said, we have three children, naturally, let's get three. Let's come on, how about one? So I'm trying, now we have four grandkids. There's no telling what Michelle will do. <laughs> she would give all my, our money away. That's why I love her so much. But you say, Pastor, I mean, Pastor, I just don't know if I can do it. Hey, let me, we're, we're rich people. A third, over a third of the world lives on $2 or less a day. What are you going to, how could you explain your problems to that person that makes less than $2 a day, that your yard guy showed up a day late, that your internet at your house is a little slow today, that it rained and knocked out your dish, 
and you're missing your show. That your new iPhone that you paid $1,000 for is too complicated and now you can't use it and you want your old one back. That's why I don't have a new one. I can barely use this one. It's a Ferrari. I'll never take out a first gear. And so, how do, you, how do we explain to the third world our first world, our first world problems? Does that make sense? So I want to challenge you. In a few minutes, you're going to get an opportunity how you're going to get one of these. and Let's sponsor a kid. Amen. Just sponsor one. Let's sponsor a thousand kids. Let's just, man, let's just, let's just be the Good Samaritan. Now, some of you, really, if you could identify with anybody in the story, it'd be the guy on the side of the road because your life's sort of messed up, jacked up. It's like the robbers have attacked you and beat you and left you half naked and let you to die. That's where I was when Jesus found me in a hospital bed, left to die from drugs. He loves to rescue people. Amen. And so if you're here and you, you want a relationship with the King of Kings, the Lord, Lord, heaven's wide open. So if you're ready to turn away from your sins and turn to Jesus, he's ready to give you a brand new start. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, pray with us. If you're ready to give your heart to Jesus, just say, dear Jesus, I know I've sinned, and I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Give me your love. Make me your good Samaritan. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said.